So some of you may not know this, but um, our church calendar actually starts in June and runs through May. So we are just finishing up one, a ministry year. And so, yeah, that's exciting. Uh, it's also about the one-year anniversary of when I first came to Caring Community Church. Yeah. So, I, I started in June, and um, I, I just wanted to spend today reflecting and celebrating what God has done in the life of our church and in our individual lives over the past year. And then also do a little bit of looking forward to what's next, all right? So when I came in June, I came as interim, and I did not have an agenda. I, um, I didn't think it was my place to have an agenda, except to help you guys prepare for whatever God had next, for whoever your next lead pastor would be. And I thought, you know, during this time of kind of uncertainty and transition, the best thing we can do is pray. And so I, I made an ask, and I said, this is the easiest ask you'll ever hear from a pastor. I want you to pray one little sentence every day. And that sentence was, Lord, teach us to pray. You remember that? Some, some of you weren't here then, but yeah. And um, that prayer, I didn't know it at that time, but that one little sentence would become a theme for the rest of our year. Where God was going to take us on this year-long journey of learning to pray. And um, so I'm going to briefly review each one of the prayers that we've covered over the last year. Um, about every month to two months, we would adopt a new prayer. And as I go through these, I want you just to reflect on them and think, okay, which one did I really need? And that one was, yeah, that was for me. And which one do I really need now? Because at the end of the service, we're actually going to do something with these prayers, okay? So I need you to pick one that just really resonates with you, all right? So I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to kind of reveal that to us, to reveal that to you, okay? Heavenly Father, I, um, I thank you that you walk with us through this journey of life. And I thank you for how you are walking with each person here and you're walking with this church. And Holy Spirit, I just ask that you'll speak to us, um, not just as a church, but as individuals today. And, and as we review how you've led us pa- through the past year, just bring to our attention which one of these prayers do we still need? And which one of it that you want us to focus to. Um, Just make your will resonate with our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. The prayer, Lord, teach us to pray, it's a powerful prayer. And I think I shared this story way back when, but I actually started praying it when I was in college. And I was in a relationship that was not healthy (laughs) and I knew it but I didn't really want to break up with my boyfriend and so I um I just started distancing myself from God is what I did I stopped praying I stopped reading my bible my attendance to church kind of started to do this because I just didn't want to get convicted and um 
At the same time that I'm justifying my choices, um, I was also getting nervous and kind of scared for myself. Because I knew the path that I was on was didn't lead to something good. And I also missed my Heavenly Father. I missed Him. And so I took a post-it note and I wrote a little prayer. Just, Lord, give me the desire to pray. And I stuck it on my bathroom mirror in my dorm room. And every morning when I'd brush my teeth, I'd see it and I'd be like, Lord, give me the desire to pray. <laughs> you know? And then every night, the same thing, brushing my teeth. I'm like, okay, Lord, give me the desire to pray. And that was about all the prayer I could muster at that time in my life. And I believe that prayer changed the trajectory of my life. I really do. Because God answered it. And there began to well up in me this desire, this longing for God, and to talk to Him and renew our relationship. And so I would begin to pray just a little bit more and a little bit more and eventually listen to Him. And it was like God was just slowly backing me away from a cliff and back onto level ground. That prayer is so powerful. And I actually did not invent it. It came from the disciples. And Luke, they asked Jesus, they came to him, and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. They apparently were a step ahead of me. They already had the desire. <laughs> but they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And Jesus responded by teaching them what? The Lord's Prayer. Yeah. And so I asked you to pray that one sentence every day. And then every Sunday we came and we studied a different aspect of the Lord's Prayer. And the Lord's Prayer is really... It's kind of a little mind-blowing because it is so simple and so short. And yet, it encompasses everything you could ever possibly need to pray for. It is so profound. It, it has honoring God, praying that His good will happen in your life and, and all over the earth. Praying um, for our daily needs, that God will provide what we need. Praying for forgiveness and reconciliation with God and with one another. Uh, praying that for protection, everything. I mean, it's like all in this just tiny little prayer. And what we learned through the Lord's Prayer is that our prayers don't have to be long and burdensome to be powerful and effective. Jesus teaches us that, you know, just through short, simple prayers, we can really transform our lives and the world around us. I'm not going to break down the whole Lord's Prayer. <clears throat> There's no way I could do that justice. But I, <clears throat> I'm sorry. I do want to just highlight one aspect of it today, okay? And that is that the Lord's Prayer teaches us to pray not just for ourselves, but for one another especially for our brothers and sisters in Christ. It doesn't start my Father in heaven. It starts our Father in heaven. Holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth. That includes in me and everywhere else as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us, right? As we forgive one another and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. It's a prayer that we pray not only for ourselves, but for the whole community, our families, 
family of God, our church, our brothers and sisters in Christ. And so we adopted that. With every month or two months when we would start a new prayer, we would always use we or us language, not I language. Because we know that we need to be supporting one another, right? Like, okay, even as pastor, I don't pray these prayers every day. (laughs) Most days. I have them taped on my steering wheel. So every morning when I drive the kids to school, I see it and I remember. But on the weekends, no. Okay, so. (laughs) But, you know, if one of us is weak and somebody else in our church is praying that prayer, we can be strong for each other, right? And when we pray these prayers together, it's like compounding interest. That it just builds and builds and wells up to this powerful prayer that's being lifted up to God. After our series on the Lord's Prayer, I thought, okay, well now what? Because I'm still here as interim. (laughs) Like That didn't take long enough. And and so I, I thought, well, all right, um... I don't know what's next for them. It's not my place to know. But um, if I can help them know who they are to be as a church, that will prepare them for this next stage and their next pastor and all that. So we studied the book of Ephesians, which has been nicknamed the Constitution of the Church. Ephesians was written by Paul, and it's all about how we come to know Jesus and who Jesus is and then who we are as his church. His body. This was a zombie series. So some of you think, goodness, we're not here then. But this is when I made a complete fool of myself acting like a zombie on stage. Um, and the reason for that was because Paul, he, he paints this rather bleak picture of humanity in Ephesians. Where he says, we're dead in our sins. Just kind of wandering the earth walking after our cravings after what we think will make us alive whether that be romantic relationships or material possessions or exciting experiences or career success or whatever it is we're just kind of mindlessly wandering after our cravings because we think they'll make us alive but no matter how much we get of those things we're still dead He says, but thanks be to Jesus Christ who makes us alive through the Spirit of God. And he breathes the Spirit of God into us and he resurrects us to new life. And the Spirit begins to produce peace and joy and love and all these things. And and even more than that, we become adopted into the family of God, which is kind of this family of superheroes who don't go and kill the zombies, they help resurrect them to new life. That's the picture he paints in Ephesians. And there's a key verse here, Ephesians 1, 22 through 23. It says this, And God placed all things under, just as Jesus' feet, and appointed him to be head over everything for the church. And who is the church? The church is his body. The fullness of Christ who fills everything in every way. That as the church, we are to be filled with the presence and the fullness of Christ. And then we're to take that presence everywhere. So that Christ's presence fills everything in every way. 
And it's this very special calling Paul writes about, about how he, God, he forms his body and each one of us is a special part and unique part of it. One person's a hand, another person's an eye. And, and so we have different skills and different things. And instead of those things causing division, they cause unity because we need one another. There is not a single person here who can fully represent Christ to this world. He is way too big, way too grand. But together, we can. That's the message of Ephesians. That together we can. And so as we studied this, we prayed, our one sentence prayer was, Lord, help us to better know you and to be your church. And we prayed that for about two months. And um, what I didn't see coming was that as we were praying this prayer about, Lord, build us into the body you want us to be. Help us be your church and everything. That is when I started to sense that God was calling me to be pastor here. And it strikes me now that God was answering that prayer as we're praying, Lord, help us be your church. Form us into the body that you want us to be. He brought my family and I to be part of this body. And that was an answer to that prayer. And I think he's still answering it. Because over the last year, we've grown by 30%. That's like a third. And... And I don't get really excited about stats, like, ooh, our attendance is up, you know. But I just think, wow, he's answering that prayer. He is forming his body right in front of our eyes. He is bringing people. He's bringing hands and feet and family members and all of this kind of stuff who need us and we need them. And he's building us together to be his presence in this community. So that we can help heal one another and also help heal our community. And it, it just astounds me of how he has been answering that prayer. And I don't think he's done yet. I think he still has a lot more building of his body here that he wants to do. After Ephesians, um, well, then I knew that I was staying. <laughs> and... Um, and so I thought, all right, if, if this is it, we're supposed to be the body of Christ, then maybe we should study Jesus Christ and how he lived and what he taught so we know how to be like him in the world. So we went back to Matthew, and there, that's where we've been ever since, studying the life and teachings of Jesus Christ. And the first thing that Jesus preached was repent, for the kingdom of God is near. And repent means to turn. It's like if you're going in this direction, you turn and instead go in the direction, in this case, of God. It, it's, it's the view of like I'm doing my own thing and I'm walking in my own way and Jesus is inviting me to turn and instead go in the way of God, to God's kingdom. A phrase I hear a lot is God wants me to be happy. And that is half of a true statement. God does want us to be happy. That's all through the Bible. The other half of that statement is, we don't know what makes us happy. 
How many of you have ever been in a romantic relationship that you thought would make you happy and it made you miserable? Or you got a new job or career and you thought, yes, this is it. I am rolling now. And it only completely stressed you out. Yeah. Or you get that new car or flooring in your house or a new outfit. And you're like, yes, and it makes you happy for a month. Right? We actually don't know what will make us happy. You see... We do not become happy by God building our kingdom based on our desires. Because our desires are deceptive. Instead, we become happy by entering into God's kingdom that is built on his desires. Because his desires are based on wisdom. And they're pure and they're unselfish. And so as we were studying this, our prayer for that month was, Lord, let us desire what you desire. Or transform our desires to be your desire. And that that prayer, it's based on just the very foundational belief that God is good. That he's good. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. And if you believe that, and I know sometimes it's hard to believe that because we see how messed up this world is, but if you believe that and you pray, Lord, let me desire what you desire, you're praying that you will want the good things God has for you. And at this time, I made a very simple statement that all of you laughed at. I remember it distinctly. (laughs) I said, guys, it is so much easier to obey God if you actually want to. You know, it's like so simple, it's stupid, but it's true. It's easier to obey God if you actually want to. And and in my college time that started with that prayer, like, Lord, give me the desire to pray. Eventually it became, Lord, let me desire what you desire. And that prayer just worked powerfully in my life to pull me back away from the things that were not good. So we prayed that prayer for a month, and then we moved on in January to a new prayer. Lord, help us see people as you do. Help us see people as you do. This was based on Jesus' teaching in Matthew 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Here he says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the two-by-four in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me get that little speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Praying, Lord, help us see people as you do. It's a prayer for understanding and insight. And the first person that helps us understand is ourselves. Ourselves. Where we begin to see ourselves as God sees us, as people he dearly loves made in his image, 
that he extends all crazy amounts of grace to. And we also see where he wants to move in our lives, what he's calling us to, what he wants to heal. And as we begin to see ourselves as God sees us, then he will also help us see others with the same grace and love and wisdom that he does. It's a prayer for insight and wisdom to be able to help us, but also to be able to help other people. Lord, help us see people as you do. In February, our prayer, this was the one that like I was scared of, was Lord, make us clean. It came from blind leopard and leopard, leper, a, a leper in Matthew chapter 8. I'm not sure he was blind. I have that in my notes. I think he was just a leper. Um, Matthew chapter 8. And he, he cried out to Jesus and he said, Lord, if you are willing, make me clean. And this is a profound prayer. Leprosy is contagious. And so lepers back then in, in Israel, they were not allowed to be inside a building with other people. So they were alienated from their families. They couldn't go to the temple to worship. Outdoors, they had to remain six feet away, wear bells and cry, unclean, unclean, everywhere they went. So they were just like emotionally, relationally alienated, spiritually alienated from God. But you can imagine the amount of shame that they carried. And... It's so profound that he's, he doesn't say, Lord, heal me. He wasn't just asking for physical healing. He said, Lord, make me clean. This is a prayer for, for emotional, spiritual, relational healing and physical healing. It's all of that. And so we were praying that during the month of February. And it made me nervous because there's a tension with this prayer. And the leper hit it right on the head. He says, Lord, if you are willing, is God willing to make us clean? Or maybe when is God willing to make us clean is a better question. And we kind of grappled with the fact that God is good, but some people receive their healing now and some people have to wait till the next life. And I didn't really know what would happen in February as we prayed, Lord, make us clean every day. But I thought, um, well, we can't just pray this and not give people an opportunity to be healed. And so we started following the instructions in James 5, 13 through 16. It says this, Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call on the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. And so this is when I started saying, after the message, during the songs, if you want to be anointed with oil, or you want to 
confess your sin and be assured of God's forgiveness, just meet me back by the cross. And I had no idea if anyone would even come. (laughs) But so many people did. And so many people were anointed with oil. And I have begun to hear stories of healing. Um, Of one person who, from an accident, couldn't move their leg all the way down. And they came back the next Sunday. And they're like, look, I can move my toes. I have not been able to do that in so many years. And then the next week they came back and like, look, I can move my foot. And there was another person whose neck was all stiff and sore. And they'd been seeing a doctor. And God loosened that up. And another person with their back... And so that was exciting. But what, what amazed me even more, um, and I didn't, I didn't know this would happen. So ma- there were actually more people who came to confess sin than to ask for healing, physical healing. And many of you, you just took the little paper and you just wrote your little confession on it and handed it to me. That's how we did it. And I was just so honored to be Jesus with skin on. And I just read it and then look different people in the eye who ever come and said, God has forgiven you. And the tears that came, it was like people just this release of being washed clean of shame. And for some people, it was shame they had been carrying for decades. And it was so powerful. And then on the altar, they would take their little confession and burn it. And it was gone. And those were powerful moments. And so that's why I said, you know what? This is something that people obviously need. And so every Sunday now after the message, I just go back by there by the cross. And I'll meet anybody for prayer or anointing with oil. Or if you want to be assured of God's forgiveness, I'm back there for that. Um, but I'm so glad that God did that in the life of our church and set so many people free from shame. After February, March and April, we prayed, Lord, send more workers into your harvest. That prayer comes from Matthew chapter 9. This is Jesus again. It says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And so he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. So this is actually something that Jesus commands us to pray. And it kind of blows my mind because it he sees people and he has compassion and he wants to send help, but he won't do it unless we pray for it. That's what's implied. And I think, why doesn't he just raise up the people and send them? But he, he wants to work with us. And so he, he's waiting for us to pray for these things. And then he will send the people. And um, it was during March and April that many of you started to come for the first time because people started inviting. And what was also interesting to me is we started praying this in March. And it was like the end of March, April... That Cheryl told us she was retiring. And we would need to find new leaders to step into her shoes. I didn't see that one coming. Maybe I should have, but I didn't. (laughs) I guess I never looked up Cheryl's age. (laughs) um, She looks so young (laughs) and acts so young. (laughs) 
Um, but it was, it was like God was having us pray for a solid month who he needed to raise up before we even knew that transition needed to happen. And I'm so excited about how he has answered that prayer um, with Kathleen Rubio going to be our next children's ministry director. It's like, yeah. So very excited. Um, And then we actually split Cheryl's job into two. One was the children's ministry director, and the other person is, the title is called director of operations. And we have some good candidates for that position. Um, Friday the board was meeting, and we're looking, and we're like, oh, man, how do we choose? Like, we were excited because they're good candidates, but it was hard to choose. And I think in the next week or two, we'll be able to make an announcement about that position as well. But either way, it's God has raised up good people. And so I'm so thankful that he's answered that prayer and even taught us to pray that prayer before we even knew we needed it. All right, this month, we ended the series with Lord, help us walk in your rhythm. And this prayer comes out of um, really just observing Jesus' life in the book of Matthew. That he has all of these rhythms of work and rest. We see him working, we see him celebrating Sabbath, healing people on Sabbath. We also see him taking breaks during times of deep grief. And, um, and so we learned about Sabbath. We learned about grief. I think we've only scratched the surface of that topic, to be honest, and understanding what God wants us to understand about having healthy rhythms, God-given rhythms in our life. And so that brings me to our, our last point my last point, and it's that, that we're not done with these prayers. We still need them. We might be done with the series, but we still need these prayers. There, I'm convinced, like, if we keep praying, Lord, help us walk in your rhythm. And the next people year, we'll see people set free from what I would call oppressive work schedules. I'm not against hard work. Anybody who knows me well knows that. I'm not against hard work. But there are some schedules that people have that just drain away their health, that drain away their family life. There are marriages that are just like withering on the vine because of the work schedules that they have. And there are some people who need to be set free from that. There are still more people who need to be made clean. And there always will be. We still need to grow in the ability to see ourselves and see other people as God does. We need that kind of wisdom and insight and grace for one another. The harvest is still plentiful. There are people battling addictions, battling depression. There are families that are breaking apart. There are, there are children that face violence in our communities. The harvest is plentiful. And the workers are few. There's not enough. We still need these prayers. And so what I'm going to ask you 
is to adopt one. Just one of these one-sentence prayers. And commit to praying it every day till next Easter. And I believe that when we gather next Easter, if we do this, we will be celebrating a multitude of miracles. That's my dream. And so I asked the painters from Heaven's Least to actually paint, create a painting that represents each one of these prayers. And and they turned out like way better than I could have imagined because they have better creativity than I do. Um, And they're beautiful. And we are going to create a mural out in the lobby, just right outside the doors here, um, of the Lord's Prayer surrounded by all these paintings. And um, they're at different locations. We have a table here, a table here, and one in the back. And we framed them. I'm just going to grab one. And what I'm going to ask is for during the songs, you to come and initial the side of the frame as a sign of your commitment that the next year... I'm going to be the banner waver for this prayer. I'm going to hold up my family, my church family, with this prayer for the next year, okay? So I want to show you these different paintings. This, this is this one. Lord, help us walk in your rhythm. And I, I love how it reflects back to creation and God's creating the world. He built these rhythms right into creation, right into our DNA. And the rhythms of rest, and work day and night. So that's over here at this table. The other prayer that's over here at this table is, Lord, send more workers into your harvest. This is a prayer of compassion for those who do not yet know Jesus. So that's at this table over here. In the back, we have three prayers. Um, and I'm going to ask Dan and Linda to be back here. Okay, And they're going to hold the frame while you sign it. My son and I will be over here. And I think Amy Turner, are you? She's going to be over here. Okay. So at the back is, Lord, make us clean. I love that picture. It's like the hands of God and there's water pouring down and someone's just like this, being washed clean. Lord, make us clean. This is for all the people who now and There's going to be more coming who need physical, emotional, relational, and spiritual healing. Also back at the table is, Lord, help us see people as you do. You can see there's like little people reflecting in the eye. Isn't that amazing? Like I said, these these are incredible. Um, But this is a prayer for wisdom and empathy and compassion. Another prayer that's back there, Lord, transform our desire to be your desire. And again, I'm kind of in awe, but like the circle, it's like the good desire of God. And you can see it's going into her heart and in her mouth and in her mind. Let us desire, transform our desire to be your desire. That's in the back as well. Over here, Lord, empower us to know you and be your church. And the windows, they have the dove, which symbolizes peace, but also the Holy Spirit, right? 
And the ichthus, the fish, is a symbol of Jesus. And the heart, I just think of the Father's heart. That we want to be full of the presence of God and that to be radiating, reflecting out. I, I love that's where the light is coming from. Because the light doesn't come from how fancy our building is or, oh, we got this great program or that program. The light should be coming from the presence of God in us. And then the last one over here is, Lord, teach us to pray. And, and first of all, I'm in awe because hands are like crazy hard to paint or draw. And this is just exquisite. Um, but there's two things I think of with this prayer. And, and one is, you see, the hands are like lifted up to God. And it's a prayer that we're going to be a church that is dependent on God. And stay dependent on Him and His power and not us and our own strengths and, and what we think is right. But we're staying dependent on Him. I also think this is the prayer that undergirds all the others. Right? Because we're going to have different people praying for the rhythm and praying for healing and praying for the insight that we'll see people as other people, as God does. But who's going to be praying for them that they keep praying? Right? And so this is a prayer that kind of undergirds and helps support everybody else as well. Also, at each of these tables is, um, we have four panels of the Lord's Prayer. And so there's one at each table. And um, if you want to commit to praying the Lord's Prayer, you can initial one of those as well, okay? It's up to you. But as you come, there'll be a sheet where you can print your name. And that's just because I want to know who's initialing what prayer. And I want to be able to encourage you throughout the year and send you things and, and, and like that. So you can sign your name on the sheet and then just initial it on the side, all right? God has done great things this last year. It's been a good year. I think it's only in the beginning. And I don't think it's because I'm this great, amazing pastor. I, I think it's because of how we've been praying that God has done these things. And I think if we keep praying, we're going to be blessed to see God do even greater things among us. All right? So I'm going to pray now. Oh, okay. There's a little graphic that kind of tells you where it, what prayers are at what place. I hope that map looks makes sense. In the baskets, you'll find a little green sheet of paper that has this graphic on it. So if you're still praying and trying to figure out while the musicians are singing, um, you can grab one of those green slips from the baskets and it will tell you where to go for which prayer, okay? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you um, that you are good and that you created this world and you created us and gave us purpose. You entrusted us with this world. And even though we broke it, you did not abandon us. You are still patiently working to redeem us, to redeem your creation. And I thank you that we have the privilege of partnering with you in that work through prayer. I don't know why you wait for us to pray to do things. I think it goes back to the creation when you said, let them rule. 
And you've never reneged on that. <laughs> no matter how much we mess up. <laughs> you haven't reneged on that. That you created us to rule over this earth. And you still give us that opportunity through prayer. By praying, we don't have the power to change things, but you do. And we have the power to pray you and your will and your kingdom into this world. Thank you for teaching us to pray. Continue to teach us to pray. Help remind us to pray. And God, I pray that right now you will show us which of these prayers you want us to adopt for the next year. That we need to pray for ourselves and, and for our family and that we need to pray for our church family. And God, I pray that by the end, we'll have all these prayers covered. That you and your wisdom just know whose needs to pray well. Show us that, Lord. And thank you for the honor of partnering with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.